So why can't Canadian authorities prosecute terrorism? Hi, this is Phil Gursky, President and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting in Russell, Ontario, Canada. You're listening to Quick Hits, short podcast about national security. Came across a fascinating story just a couple of days ago. Uh, made a bit of headlines here in Canada, um, in the States as well. Although it was buried in the CBC, you have to look for it. It wasn't on their front page. The title, I'm getting this from Global News. I'll put the link in the uh, notes to the podcast. Abdullahi Ahmed Abdullahi gets a 20-year sentence for recruiting Islamic State fighters. Now, this guy is a Canadian national. Apparently, he lived in Southern California, but he's from Edmonton. And way back in 2013 and uh, 2014, uh, he was recruiting for Islamic State, ISIS, uh, in Edmonton. He admitted in court. He pleaded guilty, by the way, to providing material support to terrorists back in 2021, so last year, and admitted in court that he had robbed an Edmonton jewelry store back in 2014, January, to raise money to fund foreign fighters. And when we talk about foreign fighters, he was instrumental in essentially getting people uh, from Edmonton, at least a half a dozen, both Canadians and Americans, to go fight with ISIS in 2013 and 2014 including uh, the first known American to die fighting for ISIS. And he sent money to an 18-year-old cousin from Minneapolis. He uh, got three other cousins from Edmonton to go fight against ISIS as well. And apparently they're all dead. So a good, dead terrorist is a good terrorist. So Mr. Abdullahi, you know, you sent guys to fight for ISIS and they're all dead, so it sucks to be you. Here's where it gets interesting. He was detained by Canadian authorities, I'm assuming Edmonton police, into, or maybe the RCMP, maybe the INSET in Alberta, and K Division, I'm not sure, in 2017, and not sent to the States to two years later. And it was the U.S. court that, in fact, found him guilty, or actually pleaded guilty, and sentenced him to 20 years in prison. Now, why am I raising this issue? Well, there's a couple of reasons. Why wasn't he prosecuted in Canada? The crimes he committed were in Edmonton. That's part of Canada last time I checked. He robbed a jewelry store. He raised money to help ISIS, which is a listed terrorist entity. He recruited people, including his cousins, to go fight for ISIS. That's a, a, a crime under the Canadian Criminal Code. So why wasn't he charged here? Why do we have to send him off to the States? Okay, fine. He has a link to the States. He was living for apparently an un, unspecified amount of time in Southern California. But it took us two years to extradite him. In the meantime, why didn't the Crown, i.e. the prosecution, charge him with terrorism? Why are we getting the Americans to do our work for us? Doesn't the jewelry store, the owner, maybe they're, I I have no details on what the robbery was like. Was it overnight? Was it a daytime robbery? Was somebody held at gunpoint or knife point and money was stolen? Did they not deserve to see justice done in Canada? Doesn't the Edmonton community, from which these ISIS fighters were recruited, don't they get the right to see justice served in Canada? Why in heaven's name is the public prosecution service, the Crown prosecution in Canada, why is it sending our dirty work to the Americans? This makes absolutely no sense to me. And it's not the first time that something took place in Edmonton, which was clearly terrorist in nature, and ended up being handled in a bizarre way. So I'll remind you, and this is, by the way, from my book, The Peaceable Kingdom, a History of Terrorism in Canada from Confederation to the Present. It's available on my website. Back in October 2017, 
a car veered into an Edmonton police officer who was basically directing traffic outside of Commonwealth Stadium. That's the football stadium in Edmonton. That's for the CFL, the Canadian Football League. The Edmonton Eskimos, who are called the Edmonton Elks now, whatever. And um, the cop was hit by this car and he went flying a couple of meters in the air. And then the driver got out and started to stab the officer who had been hit by a car and, and flying through the air. And luckily, he was wearing body armor. And he wasn't severely injured. He was injured, but it wasn't life-threatening. The guy basically, um, he fled the scene, and then he drove a rented truck down Jasper Ave, which is a pretty major thoroughfare in downtown Edmonton, and he hit four other people. Luckily, no one was killed before he, the, so that basically the cops, you know, were probably following him. He, he was rammed by a police cruiser. The, the truck flipped on its side, and he was arrested. And interestingly, um, when he was arrested, there was an ISIS flag on the dashboard. Keep following me here a little bit on this. He was basically um, an ISIS an ISIS wannabe terrorist. And yet, in October 2019, so two years later, a jury found him guilty on, wait for it, five counts of attempted murder, dangerous driving, and criminal flight causing bodily harm. And he was sentenced to 28 years in, in, in prison, which is a pretty hefty sentence, and deservedly so. Notice what I didn't say there. He wasn't charged with terrorism. Here's an ISIS wannabe who tries to kill a cop, tries to kill four pedestrians, has an ISIS flag on his dashboard, gets arrested, and doesn't get charged with terrorism. Is there something in the water in Edmonton that I don't know about? I mean, I like Edmonton. I've been there many times. What's going on when we have clearly Islamist terrorists in this country who either can't be prosecuted or won't be prosecuted in the case of Abdullahi or are not prosecuted on terrorism in the case of the, the vehicular guy? What's going on here? Now, in fairness, in the case of the Edmonton uh, guy, the ISIS wannabe, he did get 29 years. So that's a pretty hefty prison sentence. And I've often argued that we don't need to charge people with terrorism because the, the end result, if, you're, if you try to kill somebody, attempted murder, or if you do kill somebody, first degree murder, it's the same sentence whether you're, you know, Joe Schmo, it's a, a local asshole, or you're Joe Schmo, a terrorist. It doesn't matter. The sentences are the same. But it seems to me there's a reluctance, and I can't figure it out, why these individuals are arrested, clearly engaged in support of or in furtherance of the ideologies of a listed terrorist organization, i.e. Islamic State. And yet the decision is made not to pursue terrorism charges. In some ways, I'm, I'm kind of grateful that he was sent to the States for his trial and his plea and his sentencing. As I said, he got 20 years and I got a sneaking suspicion, knowing what I know about the way that Canadian courts treat terrorism, he would have gotten 20 minutes if you've been found guilty in Canada. And I'm not, I don't say that lightly because you think, think back to the Toronto 18, a uh, case I talk about a lot in the book, a case I worked on from day one. Out of the 18 people who were arrested, uh, a whole bunch of them got time served, meaning they were held in pretrial custody. And when they were found guilty or pleaded guilty, they were let go. In other words, a bunch of guys that had three tons of ammonium nitrate and a working detonator and three targets you get time served for your crime. In what parallel universe is that an adequate sentence? 
So clearly there's some, something is wrong in Ottawa and or Edmonton when the Canadian government or the provincial government or whatever can't see its way to having trials in our country of terrorists, finding guilty conclusions and sentencing these people to a very, very long time behind bars. I, 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 I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm embarrassed as a Canadian, as somebody who worked in security intelligence, as somebody who worked in counterterrorism. I'm frankly ashamed that my own country can't charge and bring to trial ISIS terrorists on Canadian soil. To my American colleagues, with whom I worked very closely over more than three decades, both in, in SIGINT, SIGILS Intelligence, and in, in Human Intelligence, I have many friends in American law enforcement and American intelligence. Thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, putting this guy on trial and for giving him a sentence where he'll have his sorry ass will rest in jail for two decades. Uh, you, you, did, you did good, guys, and I appreciate that. And, um, you know, Canadians have a, a nasty a, a tendency of apologizing. I am, to all my American listeners, I apologize for my government's inability to deal properly with terrorism. Thank God the Americans are our allies. Anyhow, that's what I think. What do you think about the Canadian government extradition of an ISIS terrorist from Edmonton? Should he have been tried here? What's wrong with the system? Love to hear your feedback. You can reach me on email, borealisrisk at gmail.com or on Twitter at borealisaves. You can also find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook. If you like this content and want more, go to my website, borealisthreatenedrisk.com. Hit the subscribe button. You get free access to all the blogs, all the podcasts, both quick hits and the longer Canadian Intelligence A, as well as my new product, Global Terrorism This Week, GTTW, where I look at terrorism across the world to see who's doing what to whom. It's also a link there to my aforementioned book, The Peaceable Kingdom, The History of Terrorism in Canada from the Federation of the Present. You can get it off my website. All the details are there. Or you can get it on Amazon Kindle if you prefer ebooks. Love to hear your feedback. We'll talk again soon. Until then, take care.